History Notes. Welcome to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. History Notes reports on the people, places, monuments, and events that have shaped our society. Sometimes we examine what has occurred long ago, and at times we look at history happening now. Grab a pad, a pen, or a digital device and get engaged with History Notes. Good day, this is Rodney Dawson with the Greensboro History Museum, and welcome to today's edition of History Notes, the podcast discussing things that occurred long ago, or not so long ago, plus history that's happening right now. We record here at the Press Play Studios. It's a wonderful environment. We can even socially distance our guests, and there are masks for those that don't have them. And I'm looking around at this newly renovated environment. It's great. Give them a call for your podcast needs, Brody over at Press Play. And today we have History Notes, and uh, Today's guest, you know, I met him a while ago uh, due to his videography services. And since then, we've worked on developing exhibit pieces together and soon embarking on a documentary. But today we're here to talk a little bit about um, what he what's dear and dear to his heart. And that's arts. And we're going to talk about the definition of that and exactly what art is and how he's been exposing artists, particularly local artists here in Greensboro. And so um, I just said, let's sit down and talk. He just reached a recent milestone and I thought it'd make for good Greensboro conversation. So right. welcome, uh, Rasheem Kilo Pew. What's happening? What's going on, sir? <laughs> <laughs> you know we got an artist here now. Right, I don't think right. He... <laughs> <laughs> so Rasheem Pew. Yes, sir. But I've heard people call you Kilo. What, yes, sir. Can you tell us what Kilo means? Man, let me tell you where Kilo came from. Back when New Jack City came out, people said I look like Wesley Snipes back then. Okay, said, you look like Wesley's little brother. Um, Nino Brown, little brother, Kilo Brown. They uh-huh. made it as a joke. And, gotcha. they kept, and they kept saying, Kilo Brown, Kilo Brown, Kilo Brown. I was like, Kilo Brown. I like that Kilo. I like that. You know what I mean? So you and kept it. it. stuck, yeah? Gotcha, gotcha. Yep. So, first, uh, I, first, I had it with my real name. I went from, I was Kilo Sheen. Mm-hmm. When I when we got our record, there, I was the Grand Kilo Sheen. That was my name. Okay. And then I dropped Sheen and just kept Kilo. All right. Now, you're talking about record deals and Kilo. Yeah. and, and um, So... Are you in North Carolina? Where are you where are you from? I'm from Brick City, Newark, New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey. Yes, my, my dad used to, he tried to get me to move. He's from uh, Newark. Oh yeah, yeah. He tried yeah. to get me to move to Newark one time. Okay, what, yeah. what happened? Yeah, it's too many bricks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's home, man. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful town, Cory Booker. Uh-huh. Former mayor of uh, Newark. Is he from Newark? Now we got too? Ross Baraka there now. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes. I'm familiar with his work. He was a, what, a community organizer, did a lot of. Absolutely. Yeah, I got you. Uh, and so we're here to talk about you and the Save the Arts Foundation and you being in arts. And so it caused me to look up the term art, you right. know, because it can mean so much. So I looked it up and I particularly like this definition. It said art is generally understood as an activity or a product done by people with a communicative or aesthetic purpose, something that expresses an idea, an emotion, or more generally, a worldview. And it's a component of culture reflecting economic and social substrates in its design. So hmm. as I looked up that definition, I had to find out what a substrate mean. And so I looked that up, too. And it says an underlying substance or layer. Hmm. And, uh, and I applied that to you because I've seen your work and I've seen you work your right. craft and you have different layers to it. So how do you define art? And when did you first realize, like, this is what I want to do? It's a passion of mine. Well, you know, when I was real young, before my dad actually had extra kids, mm-hmm. I was the only child from my mom. And and uh, and that was being in that room by yourself for all them hours, man. You mm-hmm. started trying everything. You'd be like, 
putting sticks together, making men. Right. You, and uh, my mother bought me a little keyboard, so I never learned how to play, but I made beats on that thing. Okay. You know, and then, of course, with drawing, I used to, one time I stood up against the wall and held my hand up and actually traced myself. And my mother came in the room like, what the? Mm-hmm. But then she let it stay there. She was like, all right, he's expressing his creativity. You know okay. what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, I was I was trying art a long time ago, man. I was always drawing on stuff and even when you weren't supposed to be drawing on stuff, we were drawing, drawing on stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's it. Talked about the many layers and and art has an aesthetic purpose, and as long as you're just trying to communicate something, right? So, musically, you know, was that the first? Well, you just said drawing, but mm-hmm. your first foray into the industry was music, correct? Absolutely. So, why was music the first one? Is it because you were in the Brick City, yeah. and it was it was because uh, that's what everybody around me and my age we resonated with. Hip hop, okay. When it was first, you know, it it just came. Now and tell I'll, us the time frame. What I'll tell about. you. Uh, let's see. I think I probably was maybe nineteen eighty six. Okay. You know, eighty five is when it kind of was hitting the scene, mm-hmm. and we had the rappers like Run DMC, LL, and all these guys. And these guys, they've been doing it for a while. Of course, the craft started in New York, mm-hmm. but the first album that came out, hip hop album, came out from Sugar Hill Records in New Jersey. Okay. So we feel like we always connected to the beginning. The birth of hip hop, you know what I mean, now, worldwide. Now, Sugar Hill Records that has nothing to do with Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah, it does. Absolutely, okay. yeah. Right. Sugar Hill Gang was on. That was the uh, the group that put out the first record. But, okay, and I'm pretty sure they got the name from the label, possibly. Quick story, you know, I used to work in radio. Uh-huh. Uh, everybody knows I used to teach, but I worked in radio, and we used to do a thing called the Fun Fourth here in Greensboro. Right. And I was at WQMG 97.1, and we brought in the Sugar Hill Gang. Okay. I had no idea they were that big. Oh, you yeah. know, and they came, they drew 10,000 people downtown to watch them. <gasps> Before they came, they called me and they said, this was, I can't remember, but it was the height of NSYNC's fame mm. Okay, with Justin Timberlake, NSYNC. Yeah. And they called me and they said, hey, we're doing the show in Greensboro, but our former label mates from a label they were on in Germany will be doing a concert same day. Right. Can you hook us up? I said, well, who are your label mates? And they said, NSYNC. Like I said, they were the hottest. I said, yeah. man, no, I can't hook you up. <laughs> Your label mate hooked me up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I let it go. And so typically when artists would come to town, we'd have a little time to kill. We'd have we'd get the limo for the whole day. And I'd take them. I've taken um, artists to my grandmother's house, and she would cook for them. Right. But uh, I said, we got the limo all day. Y'all want to do something? After the show, we were out eating. And they said, no, we got a show tonight. I said, what show? They said, we're opening up for NSYNC. So they did call them. Wow. They said, you want to go? I said, yeah. yeah. They left us tickets. My wife, she was my girlfriend. My wife and I went to go see NSYNC perform as special guests of Sugar Hill Gang. Oh, man. I know they went crazy when they came on, too. Yeah. Well, they, we uh, we didn't actually sit with them because they were performed and then they stayed backstage. But I yeah. got to see Pink when she first came out. She opened gotcha. up Sugar Hill right. Gang. Oh, yeah. When NSYNC came out. Oh, man. I know that was yeah, huge. It was wild. But, yeah. Yeah. Side note. I'm sorry. That's the beginning, though. That, yeah. Man, <laughs> that was So it. Sugar Hill Gang comes out of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And how do you get into music? You said you well, were signed to a label. We started off um, battle, rapping in the neighborhood. We used mm-hmm. to walk around. And, you know, every other block had their favorite rappers from the neighborhood. So we used to walk around Newark and catch bus just to do a battle. Mm-hmm. Just to battle with somebody. And that's, as we battled, we felt like we was getting better and getting right. better and better. And make a long story short, um, a friend of mine had gave us $1,000. It was $1,100. And we created these T-shirts. Said OCM, and then we 
press. So you've been selling sets. t-shirts for the longest. Yeah, yeah. man, we we started from the he's ground. He's selling t-shirts now. Yeah, we started. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that go way back, yeah. right? So, and we wind up getting um a record deal because uh, a friend of a friend of ours named Amelia, her husband, his name is Kevin. He was producing tracks on this artist named Papa Chuck. Okay. Papa Chuck was signed a Pendulum. Okay, and he told us to come to the studio in New York to meet him. Yeah. So when we came over there. Uh, Papa Chuck, you know, he he greeted me with uh, open arms. He had his whole crew from Texas there, mm-hmm. and uh, they were called the Org. And he was like, "Hey, man, um, you got some bars? You want to spit on this record we doing?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Heck yeah, let me get on." And when I did my verse, and they, they took the record back to the label, um, Charles Dixon, who was the A and R, said, "Who is this guy?" Okay, said, who's this talking guy? about you? Yeah. Okay, said, who's this guy right here? And they was like, "Oh, that's Kilo he's from North or whatever." And they was looking for us. Mm-hmm. And then um, Amelia took, I think she took it, somehow it got to Quest Records, to Lisa Morris. Okay. And Lisa Morris and Charles Dixon was going back and forth. They was like bidding for her. And we wound up signing with Quincy Jones' label. Okay. Yeah, so that All was right. our first record there, 1993. Man. What was the name? Was it an album or? Uh, yeah, the group was called OCM and the album was called, to the, it was called The Next Level. But right. we never got to drop the whole album. We only dropped the single, which is Watch How You Sling. Mm-hmm. And we went on tour with that. And it was pretty good, but Quincy, I guess he made a decision that hip hop wasn't his thing, mm-hmm. so he kind of folded that whole label. And that label had uh, Tevin Campbell on it, uh, Saphir, um, a few other people. I can't remember their names, but yeah. okay. But it was it was an honor to be on it, right? In the first right. place, you know Quincy I mean? Jones, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You know, we, we can run down his credits later, but yep. uh, was it discouraging? But after that, but once he folded the label and. At first it was, she was like, yo, what are we going to do now? But um, our, our homeboy Tito had told us about Shaquem was looking for some somebody to do a um, Pepsi commercial. We had a song called I Don't Want It If It's That Easy, and we used Tupac sample. Mm-hmm. I don't want it if it's that easy. easy. Mm-hmm. And we put it in there, and they said, that might be dope if you switch it up. And we did it, and I was singing a hook. So mm-hmm. it was like, I don't want it. If it ain't Pepsi. And it turned to a whole Pepsi commercial. Oh, man. Man, that thing paid $85,000 back then, man. We was young. We was on. We was like. 85 what? 85 racks. (laughs) (laughs) Man, we was young. We split that money up, man. We felt good. And um, then uh, a friend of mine, when the Fugees came out with, um, what was that song? Doom. Cheaper, cheaper, y'all. Cheaper, y'all. Doom. 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 I don't know if it was Ooh La La. It was one of them songs they came out with, and I saw my boy Team Tame in the video. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, snap. They got Tame here in the video. So while I'm watching the video, I'm still looking at this girl like, who this? You know right. what I mean? Looking because she's talented or she's pretty? She's beautiful. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay, looking okay. like, she's beautiful. Who is gotcha. this girl right here? And then I wind up seeing her on the movie. Uh, the, um, uh, with, with the Goldberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sister Act. And I called Tame. Matter of fact, I didn't even call Tame. We used to hang in this liquor store on Clinton Avenue, North. Mm-hmm. and um, it's called Klein's. And we, I mean, we be in there deep. And one day, uh, Tame came in there, and we mm-hmm. was all in Klein's. He would always hook us up, hook us up with. So everybody in there just drinking for free and laughing mm-hmm. and everything. Tame came in and he wanted to drink for free too, and I was like, "Yo." I need that phone number, homie. <laughs> he was like, he's like, what you mean? I said, yo, you gotta call that girl, right? That girl, you was in her video, so you know her. Mm-hmm. I know you got her number. And he wound up calling her, man, and hooked me up on the phone. Uh-huh. And we started going out and hanging out from there. I don't know how I just 
went all the way to the Lawrence story right fast. Yeah, like, yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's, that's about three questions down. <laughs> Sound like that was pre-planned, right, right, Kilo. Right, right, right. <laughs> but so, so you dated her? No, no, okay, not officially. Okay. okay, but I was trying to date her. Gotcha. And we was hanging out. We was going to, um, we was going to IHOP a lot. Mm-hmm. Going to the, I was taking her through the hood. Just showing right. She had a single out. We still had a record deal at the time. Right, gotcha. So we had a record deal. She had a record deal. So we hanging out. I'm trying to get with her. And then one day she was like, um, hey, so, you know, we can't go there because I'm in something. And she wouldn't tell me, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of relationship she was in. But she was like, let me know that we couldn't do a relationship. Gotcha. So I was like, I was like, oh, okay. And you know, back then, you know, if you weren't kicking somebody back then, it was like, oh, we ain't talking to Peace. Mm-hmm. We ain't talking. We don't need, don't need to talk. So about a week and a half went by, and she hit me up. She was like, why you don't call me? And I was like, what? You told me. You know, ain't nothing. Mm-hmm. She was like, I cherish, I cherish your friendship. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, back then, I, you right. didn't really have female friends. Either they was your girl, or they was somebody's sister, or something uh-huh. like that. In Newark. That's how Newark really was. If you was, if you was with the girl, that was probably your girl. Right. So... I didn't, at that time, I didn't even know what a female friend, a regular friend right. was. You couldn't identify her in, yeah. that, in that category. Exactly. Right, right. So we, I tried it, though. I was like, okay, a friend is, we call, we chat, all right, we go eat sometime, stuff like that. So that was, I guess, my first regular female friend. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Turned and, out to be a good one. Though. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, when yeah. she, and she went on tour, and she would call me from China and stuff like that. Like, hey, what you doing? All that kind of stuff. And I was like, that's cool. And when um, Wendy Williams... Posted on the radio, Lauren's pregnant. People was calling me because they thought, mm-hmm. you know, people from the hood who thought we was kicking it. And I was like, nah, ain't my baby or nothing. We didn't kick it like that. I was like, we're just friends. Right. But I wound up calling her and um, she said, come see me. So I went over there and sat with her, looked at her belly like, oh, snap. Okay. Now she's back home. Yeah, she yeah, came back, back home, home off tour. And she but she's to- well known. Oh, yeah. So she's, she's, she's in the Fuji. She's from the Fuji. Okay, they right, already right. popped off. Yeah, okay. They, they large. Uh, Killing Me Softly had already ran Drop. through radio. Okay. All yeah. right. And um, matter of fact, that might have been what they were touring off of, the Killing mm-hmm. Me Softly record. But um, so I'm looking at the belly. She talking and she tell me, hey, I'm looking for somebody to do beats. And I'm like, my boy Vader do beats. Mm-hmm. She said, I need somebody to play keys. I said, oh, my boy Ted, he's at Vader's house. He plays mm-hmm. play keys. And then she said guitar. And I said, Jahari. Because Ted got a twin brother named Jahari. He played mm-hmm. guitar. And they yeah. all at Veda House. Right. She's like, you lying. I said, look, I left there, went all over to Veda House, told everybody, look, Lauren's looking for this, and brought everybody over. They start playing different music. And uh, she said, um, all right, well, let's try to work together. And the first project we were going to work on was uh, Andrea Martin. And then we did Aretha Franklin, A Rose is a Rose. Mm-hmm. And then we were about to do a female rock band called Edith Wish. But... While she was recording the idea in the studio, the label came. And when the label heard the record, it was like, nah, Lauren, this need to be your album. This need mm. to be your joint. And that was the song X Factor. Okay. X Factor okay. jumped the record off. Wow. You know what I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that so was and this was what year? Man, what year was this? 97? 97. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm guessing 97. And you're still in, in Newark. Well, I was still living in, I was in Orange at that time. Okay. It's right up but, the street. Right, right, right. My area. sister lives in Orange. Oh, does she? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, my matter of fact, my whole family, my, my dad's side's from that area. Oh, yeah? Yeah, East Orange. What, okay, yeah, so, yeah. That's, let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. Newark, East Orange, Irvington, Orange, West Orange, 
they need to be one because mm-hmm. they like literally hop, skip, and jump right. to each exactly. other. And so you ended up writing on the album, yeah. Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Absolutely. And all because you decided to accept the fact that she was just going to be a friend. Well, yeah, that ain't the reason why. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I look at it like she had a respect for my writing. Right, gotcha. Because when we rode around, I would play my rap stuff. Okay. She'd play her stuff, you know? And we had those little listening sessions. Okay. So she was like, yo, we got to work together. We got to do something. Okay. And she was saying that when we were sitting in her house for that. Man. That meeting, yeah. And she honored that. And so uh, February, what was it? February 21st? I think it was February or 17th. February, no, February. It went diamond. Yeah, it went diamond. Yeah, absolutely. So so explain, from my days in radio, I, I had some guys sit down and explain this to me. Yo-Yo had this conversation with me. Okay. Um, but um, they talked about how record labels, you know, you see all these artists and they driving around, on the videos anyway, they got mm-hmm. these Mercedes and BMWs and nice homes, but only had one album out. Right. And said nine times out of ten, they don't own that. Right, you know, because uh, they explain the whole point system, and you know, you can go gold, which is five hundred thousand sold. Right. And record labels like great, do it again. Right, and uh, but you have to do it a couple or three times before you can start demanding a greater percentage of your sales. Mm-hmm. And you get motion money off the road. Mm-hmm. But for her, that was her first, and she's only had what one or two albums. Uh since then I, I know it's the Miseducation. Then she did the MTV Unplug album. Yeah, yeah. I think like two solos. Two. So she's not a prolific artist. She's mm-hmm. just, but still deemed one of the best. Well, being do from it. the Fuji, she had a lot of success. Right. Fuji. Okay. Yeah, they. I believe they sold twenty something million worldwide, yeah. something like that. So the gold, gold is five hundred thousand, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Yeah. Most artists don't do that. That's right. Then to go platinum is double that. That's a she million. Made, yep. So to go diamond is what? Ten million. Ten million. Absolutely. So she went diamond album releases in ninety seven. Here it is, mm-hmm. two thousand twenty one. All right. Well, let me let me explain what people didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, back then, when the album actually came out, they would always say this album is twenty million sold. You know, and it was it was, but it was worldwide mm-hmm. and in different countries. They count their platinums different. Gotcha. So in a certain country, it might be two hundred thousand might be platinum. Another country might be a half a million sold is platinum. Okay. So each country they deem different what they. Say it's platinum, gold, and all that kind gotcha. of stuff. So her, this February, going diamond mean it was 10 million in the United States. Right, right. Before, it might have been 6 million here and the rest overseas. Okay. Adding up to that 20 million. Gotcha, you know gotcha, what I'm saying? gotcha. So it so, sold more than 10 million. Absolutely. But it hit 10 million here. Absolutely. And you co-wrote that album. Co-wrote eight songs on it. All right, and you yeah. have the the and you won, what, five Grammys Grammy. with nah, it? She won five Grammys. We got Grammy for the album of the year. Okay, Absolutely. gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. That's still yeah. impressive. Absolutely. So, I mean, but you never tell anybody. I have to tell everybody you're a Grammy Award winner. <laughs> <laughs> I, so. think, I, think, I think one of the things about it is the credit was something we had to fight for. Okay. Because it was like we did the whole album, but then there was a few people who came around, Lauren. And I, I can't blame it on the influence of others, mm-hmm. but we do know when a few people came around, Lauren, the energy changed in our creative process. You okay. know what I mean? It became more of a, what they say? What they say? Versus, yo, this is dope. Let's rock this. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? So, but I can't blame those other people. But I will say it wound up being a lawsuit, which was three years long, mm. which was uh, we became like small class lawyers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, 
we won, of course, but at the same time, it was humbling. You know, it mm-hmm. was humbling. It was, it made you evaluate people. Mm-hmm. It made me evaluate money. Mm-hmm. You know, it made us look at even the, the spiritual side of it because a lot of people don't know that album had a lot of different religions on it. Mm. You know what I mean? And people don't even know because they too busy grooving. Mm-hmm. But you can listen to certain songs where she's talking about Christianity, certain songs she's saying Islamic quotes, mm. you know, certain things are Rastafarianism, you know what I mean? Right. So she just really touched on a lot of different religions when, you know, but it, like I said in another interview, whenever you got God all over the place, the devil gets mad. You know what I mean? Okay. Devil gets upset at right, that. Like, we just putting all this God stuff out there. And he's, he want to make, he want to embarrass you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that she did certain things. She played into it, which led to that embarrassment. You know what I mean? Okay. But with all of that being done, it's like, yo, you start off mad, but guess what? When you fight somebody for three years, anger goes away. You just be like, can we just get this over with? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and I think I saw in one of your posts that she did reach out and talk to you. Yeah, recently. absolutely. We had a, we had a conversation. Mm-hmm. It was it was pretty cool. We talked about just the family and the kids. And stuff. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was a joke that created the laugh because Veda back then when we was working on the album. Veda had the most kids. He had like mm-hmm. five kids while we was working on the album. <laughs> and you know, everybody would make all the kid jokes mm-hmm. toward Veda. You right, know what right. I mean? Like he know he got all the kids. Yeah. And then and it was the joke I said, see what happens when you talk about Veda? I said, now nah, you got six and I got five. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So so that was the good funny. That was a good laugh. And uh, and I want to uh, ask one more question. Then we're going to take a break and come back and talk about Save the Arts TV, Save All the right. Arts Foundation, uh, and you know bring it bring it home to your new home now here in Greensboro. Right. Uh, but you work with other artists, and so not specifically just doing that that mid to the late nineties, which to me was a prolific time for for hip hop. Right. But you worked with other artists. Can you quickly tell us a few other artists you've written for or worked with? I'll uh, tell you one of one of and the, what it was like. One of the best artists that I work with to the date is Faith Evans. Okay. Faith is the bomb. Not only is she super talented, but she also a Jersey. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? She's from Jersey and uh, she's dope. She's super dope. And I think the experience was real dope. I worked we worked with uh LL Cool J, Slick Rick, um we worked on the the Bait soundtrack, Fast and Furious soundtrack, Rush Hour soundtrack, um, King's Ransom soundtrack. Um, I know I'm forgetting somebody else, <laughs> but we worked on a lot of soundtracks. Mm. We worked with Pink. We worked with uh, Heather Headley, John Legend, Anthony Hamilton. Um, we worked with a lot of artists, man. Man, now, yeah. this you solo or you with no, your my, my team? My team, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, my team, man. So, yeah, because we always, it was certain things that I wasn't writing on that Vader might have just did a track on, but mm-hmm. it was our team up in there. And where's you know Vader I mean? now? Vader's in Florida. Okay. So mm-hmm. he, he took it, he went to the sunny. Yeah, he down in the sunny coast. side. Yeah. You know what's so funny? We was down there working on a project one year, right? And we rented this little Pontiac Sunfire. And mm-hmm. It was a convertible. And we was out there, and I think it might have been, we was going to the store. We was leaving the studio, going to the store. And we looked up at the sky. And we was like, yo, man, this John feel good. Like, the temperature. Yeah. I mean, it was just beautiful. And when he moved there, he said, yo, remember that feeling that mm. we had? I said, yeah. He said, I got it every day. <laughs> I said, I know that's right. So do you miss that time? Or, or, or do you compare hip-hop now to then? Uh, the music itself? Yeah. Um, I look at it like 
just like with us coming in in 93, there was people who paved the way before us. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like as long as the next generation respect the generation prior, that's when the love is there. Okay. When when they stop respecting the, the founders, you know what I mean? Then it just be like, come on, man. Like sometimes when I talk to my son and I might say, you heard of this person? He'd be like, that's whack. And I'll be like, yo, you might not like the style, mm-hmm. but that paved the way. Gotcha. So it ain't that whack because it opened doors right. for a whole bunch of people. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So that so long as the respect is there, I'm good. I respect whatever creativity all these new artists got, you know? Understood. Because I think what's important is for us, like people our age, and mm-hmm. we are, like I don't got the shirt on today, but Generation Hip Hop is our brand. Mm-hmm. And literally, we are the generation that made hip hop even have legs to stand on. We are the culture behind it. So you had the rappers who might have said a rhyme and they played the song on the radio, but we're the people who wore that rapper's T-shirt or wore the same jeans he had or made those gazelle glasses sell a million of them. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Or that Lee patch or the Medidas or those Pumas or that cross colors. We are the people who actually told our parents, hey, Ma, this is cool. This is a part of what we're doing. Go buy this from me. And all these companies, Gucci, Prada, Fendi, are now super, super companies because we promoted them. Right. You know, we market it, and we are the generation hip hop. That's who we are. That's always been a pet peeve of mine. Somebody plays something like, you get paid for that if you're going to put it in your video. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, right. Uh, so yeah. we've been sitting here talking with Rasheen Kilo Pugh, yes, originally sir. from the Brick City, Newark, New Jersey, and uh, he uh, has been telling us and enlightening us about uh, the business and his experiences. Uh, but we're going to come back and take a break here, but we're going to come back and talk about your passion about exposing other artists right? and uh, your work with the Save the Arts Foundation, Save the Arts TV, and, and the awards that you give. Uh, so come back with us. We'll take a small pause, and uh, we'll come back here on History Notes. You've been listening to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. To learn more about this podcast and many more, visit our website at www.greensborohistory.org. Now let's listen in to History Notes. All right, welcome back to History Notes. Again, it's Rodney Dawson, Curator of Education at the Greensboro History Museum, and our guest today from the Save the Arts Foundation, Rasheen Kilo Pugh. I'm just calling you Rasheen from now on. Right. (laughs) And you're recording this. That was easier. (laughs) Yes. So you're recording this for Save the Arts TV. Yes. Quickly, uh, well, I guess we should start with Foundation first. You come to Greensboro. How long you been here? I've been here since 2006. 2006. When did you start the Save the Arts Foundation? 2004 in New Jersey. Oh, you started in Jersey? Yeah. Wow. I had an art gallery up there. Okay. Yeah. So the story of Save the Arts kind of started, I painted this piece, and my Uncle D thought it was cool. He was Mm -hmm. like, that's cool. I'm going to introduce you to this girl named Monique, because she got an art gallery, and she knows art. So I met with her, showed her my art. She was like, this is nice, this is nice. And then she said, let me take you somewhere. She took me to an event that happened in Philly called October Gallery. Okay. And when I was there, I met, I started to meet all of these artists, and it was crazy. And I was like, I know that artwork, but mm-hmm. I never saw this person's face mm-hmm. ever before, right? Right, right. So I was, I was being introduced to all the people behind all of this great artwork, stuff that's magnets on the refrigerator. Right. And uh, when we came back from the event, I was just blown away by all the art I saw. It made me feel like I wasn't a real artist. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> these guys were the truth. truth. Right, right. So she asked me, did y'all want to be a co-owner of the gallery? She had a gallery, but it wasn't open yet. So I was like, cool. And we had a grand opening. I became a co-owner of a gallery. And now I said to myself, I wanted to be a part of the art world, 
but I wasn't trying to compete with these guys who were super dope. Gotcha. All right. So I was trying to figure out where could I fit in. What's your lane? Yeah. Mm. And I came up with, hey, I said, you know what? I thought about us dealing with the Lauren Project, how we had to fight to be acknowledged mm-hmm. and be uh, rewarded. And I said, you know what? How about if I acknowledge all of these artists, help them put a face with the art? And I came up with Save the Arts Awards. Okay. And I started Save the Arts Awards. I started planning. I started planning. And that's what made me start the foundation. Because I was like, I wanted to be under a foundation and everything because I looked up the Grammys and they were a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, okay, this is how you go. And I wound up moving down here and I did the Save the Arts Awards in 2010 mm-hmm. down here in Greensboro. And I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. But then I realized it was a heavy cost behind this award show too because I had paid out of pocket. It was like $47,000 mm. for the first award show. And I said, well, I want to do something else to help generate money to do the award shows. And that's when I sat and thought about, let's do some films. Mm. So I started doing films, and the first film was like two years after the award show. We was working on a film. It Takes a Village. I teamed up with Flower Child Productions, and we did It Takes a Village. It's the first uh, kid film, about five middle school kids right mm-hmm. in Greensboro. And it was kind of like the Girl Scouts has something that helped the Girl Scouts survive, and that's the cookies. Right. So our movies were going to be our cookies. That was our plan. You know what I'm saying? And then we could do the award show again. And we wound up doing it again um, at uh, High Point University Mm -hmm. 2013, which was even bigger. It was even bigger than the first time. It was awesome. So we plan on doing it again now, but we we just shot two movies. Uh, caking up in Rooster that we're editing right now. So yeah, and I saw y'all in there the other day working hard. Yes, sir. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get it done. But then we'll be planning another Save the Arts Awards. Now, who's we? We, me, and Nakisha Wrights have teamed up. Save the Arts has always had a small unit of people working. When it first started out, it was me, Sherry Brown, Valerie Johnson, um, Fatima Matthews, uh, even Vanita Thompson. And we were all doing Carla Blewett, Audretta Hall. These are all the people that helped shape uh, right in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And then it started rolling, started growing, and certain people started doing other things, stuff like that. And uh, today, me, Karen Sims, and Nakisha Wrights do most of the day-to-day work when it comes to Save the Arts Foundation. And, and uh, I know Karen's business prowess. Yeah. And uh, I've seen uh, Nakisha's work. Matter of fact, Nakisha Wrights... Um, has uh, she she contributed to the pieces of now exhibit absolutely, uh, absolutely that we have at the Greensboro History Museum in response to the demonstrations this past summer after the the killing of George Floyd absolutely so we have the murals and then we needed the artist component so I reached out to you mm-hmm. and uh, within a day you sent me her poem our exhibit designer was so moved by it mm. that he took the I said look let me get the lyrics and so you sent me the, the word document with the lyrics. And we took the lyrics and we got it displayed throughout the exhibit. Yeah, uh, the we thing. are human. And yeah. you can you know, go to greensborohistory.org and you'll see the pieces of now. Click on it. And you can do a virtual walkthrough mm-hmm. uh, of the entire exhibit. Just like you're at, uh, walking through it in person, you can do it online on our website. You all did that. Absolutely. So uh, you, I brought in a friend of mine, Larry Poncho Brown, mm-hmm. who was telling me all about this whole 3D thing that he was doing. And I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, man, if you know somebody might need it, let me know. And when I was talking to you, yeah. you said, hey, man, we were thinking about doing a 3D thing. 
I called him down and said, hey, let's connect the dots. Who's a prolific artist. I keep using the word prolific. He's yeah. a, a, a dynamic artist himself. Absolutely. Has done work that's been featured in Greenleaf, Soul Food, uh, Different World, Cosby Absolutely. Show. So and, we're current, and we're currently working on a documentary called The Golden Age of African American Art. And that's about the, tell yeah. them right quick. It's about the different artists in a certain era, like after the time of the Harlem Renaissance. During the Harlem Renaissance, a lot of the artists, a lot of the art that was made was held in big museums. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people couldn't afford those pieces at home. And then time had passed. And then there was like a blessing that happened where you had Ernie Barnes, his art got on, right. on Good Times. From and, Durham. That's where you're from, from yeah. Durham. Yep. Well, and then I mean, you have, he uh, claimed that. Varnett Honeywood mm-hmm. got her stuff on the Cosby Show. So, so after this, it became a whole another movement. Like Poncho called it the, the movement of the art market. Mm-hmm. The art market happened where you can actually go and buy something you actually saw on TV. Right. You can get to the art. And then they had these art shows that was born. And um, people would come out by the, like, man, by the thousands and buy art. And that's where you had a lot of art. So for this documentary, that era is called the golden age of African-American art. <clears throat> Basically when the artists were actually getting paid for their mm-hmm. art. And art was in everybody's homes. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can afford to buy it. You know what I mean? And so uh, you're answering this other question I had, why it was so important for you not to be boxed in to say, I just do paintings. Right. Uh, so you do graphic art, uh, paintings. Yeah. Abs- um, you, know, you know what? When we was in the studio for years and years and years, I remember having a conversation with my partner, Vader, and he said, yeah, when he was headed to uh, Florida, he said, man, we've been in the studio for the last 10 years. He said, man, I don't even know my son. Mm. And when he said that, it was like, huh, dang. And I had just had a son. Mine was a lot younger. But it, it it basically put a question mark in our head. Like, do we gonna, are we going to spend our whole life doing this one thing? Even mm-hmm. though, even if it is a Grammy, even if it's big checks and you're driving Ferraris and Bentleys and all this kind of stuff, are you going to do that one thing your whole life? Is mm-hmm. Even though people can say, you know, on your tombstone, this dude has some hit records. What else? It, it, life has yeah. to be more to it. So I decided for myself that there was no one thing that I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, I want to do a lot of different things. Okay. So And I'm always learning things. I, I'll learn contract work i learned i went to school and got a, a degree to, to do cars mm-hmm. so i'll do um restore classic cars um i want to learn anything i want to learn anything i'm interested in that day i want to i'll do it and try it and i'll be like if i don't like it guess what i did it it was a part of my life it was an experience done mm-hmm. check it off right keep going you know what i'm saying that's good that's kind of one of the reasons we started this you know at first i was targeting educators and i said mm-hmm. no nah, we got lifelong learners Right. You know, so we want to touch a vast array of Absolutely. folks. Absolutely. Um, man, you got to live your... Man, when you get old and, you know, and you laying on that bed or or not even to the bed or you sitting on that couch in your house and you got grandkids running around and all kinds of stuff, you want them to say, my pop-pop did a lot of stuff. Look yeah. at all them pictures in that room. You see all them pictures in that room? Look mm-hmm. at his awards. Look at his... He did a lot of stuff. He right. lived his life, you know? So when you tell that child... You know what? Go for your dreams. Live your dreams. They know you mean it. Right. You know, it ain't just a, a storybook line that they gotcha. say somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, good, <laughs> good, good advice. Good advice. Now, how was it working on Pieces of Now? Pieces of Now, I think that was that that was amazing because, number one, I got to meet a, a brother who got this new job 
and had a point to prove. You know what I'm saying? He said, this thing. Yeah, right, exactly. You know what I mean? His brother named Rodney Dawson, you know? And, you know, and I wanted to help him prove that point, that anything that he touched was going to be amazing. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, what components do you need that will make this amazing? And you already had connects with different artists from the downtown, and it was like, okay, well, if you want me to do some videos, the videos got to be amazing. You know what I mean? Right, right. If you're going to use Nikisha poem, that poem got to be amazing. You know, art. Can, and I asked you, can I put a piece of art in there? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And you was like, well, let me check. And, you know, we went back and forth to see if it got in, but I was super excited when that table got in there. That's yeah. my first time having a piece of art in a museum. And for those that are artists out there listening, you want to know how to increase the value of your art? Get your art in the museum. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to use that. That is a step. You put that on your resume. If it's in a gallery, if it's in a museum, if it's owned by a famous person, that goes on your resume. Increase the value of your art. Value is man-made. Right. <laughs> and so about 90% of the videos that we shot were done by Save the Art. Absolutely. And then you have the table that's in there. And I just see the Black Lives Matter table. Yes. You got another one that maybe we can get virtually. Uh, right. Say their names. It's all the... Yeah. Say all, her name. Say her name is all yep. the the females that were that's we lost right. to uh, uh, police brutality. Absolutely. And um, then we already talked about we are human. The poem and I mm-hmm. and I encourage everybody to check it out. Go on YouTube and, and check it out, or go on our website and Absolutely. check it out. And then we have the videography which we hadn't posted yet uh, of the entire museum. Absolutely. And we should be doing that shortly, so you can actually walk through the entire museum. And from that, what's happened is. Um, uh, I got a call from an uh, organization that associated associated with GCS, Guilford County Schools. Okay. Um, uh, just really pleased with our exhibit and said, hey, do y'all have a virtual component? Nice. And I said, why, yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So now we're working out, we've worked out a deal where we're going to provide virtual tours. We're starting with the middle schools. Nice. And so you don't have to come to the museum uh, with COVID. That's a good thing. Um, but you can, we actually take give you a personalized walkthrough tour nice and and believe me when i i've done it a couple mm-hmm. of times now i've uh, those listening we do it with sororities and fraternities i've done that mm-hmm. each time i said five time grammy award winning <laughs> now i gotta <laughs> retract that and say she won five she won <laughs> he got that. album That's of right. the year absolutely it's still That's good right. though you just say grammy award, <laughs> grammy winner. award winner That's it. <laughs> and they're gonna i knew he was lying about that <laughs> Okay. Well, the, no, you didn't like it. The project, the project the itself, the project itself got five Grammys. Absolutely. And so, um, Save the Arts TV. Yes. You just hit a million followers, a million views, a million views. We have a million views on our channel, and we have six thousand followers. Okay. And what? Explain that really quick. What's Save the Arts TV? Save the Arts TV is our actual YouTube, where it started by when I learned how to shoot videos. Um, well, it's a good story about that. It was an artist named Danalja James who came to me, I believe, in 2009, and she wanted to do a poetry album. Now, at this time, I did R&B, I did rap, I ain't never do no poetry album. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, let's give it a shot. But when we was going to shoot the video, this girl canceled on us on the video, and we had to make a decision. Either we was going to cancel all the plans we had, or we was going to buy a camera and learn to shoot it ourselves. Right. So we bought a camera. Wind up shooting a video, came out great. That one video led to 13 videos, which led to two documentaries and mm-hmm. then then to films. Now okay. we're on our eighth film. Gotcha. <laughs> so that, but doing all of that, 
we were collecting behind the scenes information. And we were always like, I had a lot of footage from the years. And I said, let's start putting this stuff up on YouTube. And we start putting it up. And then we got the knowledge that there's a lot of YouTube millionaires out there. Mm. And we said, well, if we're going to do it, we might as well do it to the max. Right. Let's make it a full-fledged channel and let's put some real content out there. So we started doing several shows, some about food, uh, stuff about the cars, uh, a podcast. Sherry was doing a um, talk money. Um, and it just, it grew. Mm-hmm. It really grew. And it's, you know, it's diverse, a lot of different topics, all arts related, you know, yeah. all about the arts. Gotcha. So, well, oh, yeah. and to go backwards real quick. Virtual Visits is our program under Save the Arts Foundation that actually did, for those who just heard about the museum, the the whole scanning of the museum, that's now a program under us, Virtual Visits. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you've certainly been supportive of the museum. Uh, Just a couple more questions. Um, What was the other one? You kind of gave some advice, but I'm going to double back and ask that question again. Um, What's on the horizon? For me? Yes. Oh, for say the arts. Me personally? Either or. <laughs> which or. ones? Which ones? Well, the album we came out with back in, well, the single we came out with back in 93 has created, uh, there's a new old school following out there. Mm-hmm. And most of them are overseas. And I got contacted because an album sold on eBay for $300, one of my old albums. Mm-hmm. And a, a DJ contacted me and said, yeah, you know, we collecting all stuff from the 90s and stuff like that. Send me some records. So, And I told him, I said, you want all them old records? He was like, yeah, I want the old records. But as we were talking, he said, are you doing anything new? Mm. I said, so I always thought about, I got to do another rap album. I got to do a mm-hmm. rap album, you know? And I just started working on it. I'm five songs in now. So I got my new album. It's called Who, Sw- Who Woke the Sleeping Giant. Is that a title yeah. single? Or? Yeah, no, that's going to be my album title. That's the album title. Yeah, Who Woke the Sleeping Giant. Do you have a single yet? Um, I don't know what the first one is. I got two battling each other mm-hmm. that I keep letting people listen to, and they go, I like that one. No, I like that one. You know what I mean? Okay. So, but yeah, I got about four or five more records to record, and then I'm dropping. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, we'll look out for that. And, and the two movies. Can't forget, Caking Up is a comedy coming. Mm-hmm. Rooster is more serious, kind of Lifetime-type movie. And then we have Karen Canyon, who's a comedian. We did, like, you know how Kevin Hart did? the He did his comedy show, but then he had behind the scenes of his real life going on. Yeah. We did the same thing with Karen Canyon. It's called No Free Lunch. All right. And then we we will be doing a documentary. Absolutely. We're going to be doing some Juneteenth work I got to tell you about. Okay. I alluded to it a couple of weeks ago, but okay. But the Hidden Heroes Project about the women behind the Absolutely. sit-in movement. So uh, Absolutely. Uh, look out for that later this year. Um, you gave some advice, but uh, what advice can you offer up to either an upcoming artist, an aspiring artist, an entrepreneur, filmmaker? What's one sentence you could say to that group? Mm, see the finish line before you start running. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> see the finish line before you start running. That basically means know what you want before you even step in the ring or whatever it is you're trying to do. Like, see it at the end. See it all the way through. If a person say, hey, I'm thinking about being a boxer, you say, do you want to be the champ? Mm. You see what I'm right, saying? Right, right. You just ask them, do you want to be the champ? Cause, and, and and let them answer. If they say they don't want to be the champ or they thinking or they whatever, don't step in that ring yet. 
I'm just no. gonna get knocked all the way out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't do it. Be sure you want to be the champ. You know what I mean? And and how you want to be it. When it comes to music or film or stuff like that, decide. Look at the people who paved the way. Look at just Spike Lee's. Look at Tyler Perry. Look at all of them and say, who do you want to be like? Mm-hmm. You're not gonna be them, but who do you, who has an outcome that's close to the outcome you want? Right. You know what I mean? Makes See sense. that finish line, and I think that will help them direct their steps that they take on their way, on their path. Well, those are good parting words, good finishing words for me. See the finish line before you get started. Absolutely. And we'll certainly continue to do that. Uh, I see the finish line is is here for the History Notes podcast today, but (laughs) we've enjoyed you thoroughly. Kilo, (laughs) Rasheen, Kilo, Pew, Save the Arts Foundation, Save the Arts TV, and uh, uh, this is Rodney Dawson. It's been another great edition of History Notes. Check us out next time. You've been listening to History Notes, a product of the Education Department of the Greensboro History Museum. Just as you visit it for this podcast, continue to go to www.greensborohistory.org and select the Discover and Learn tab to listen again or learn more about many other subjects. We also invite you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please stop by the museum when you can. We're located at 130 Summit Avenue, Greensboro. Hours vary, so visit our website or call 336-373-2043 for details. Once again, thank you, and keep tuning in to History Notes.